I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiberfueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing, we're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024. And grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. Support for today's episode is brought to you by the Nutra Milk. I know that kitchen counter space is prime real estate. And in order for an appliance to make the cut in any house, it has to be super useful not just a dust collector that rarely gets plugged in or hides away in a cupboard. I can share that since adding the Nutramilk to our kitchen, we have taken an immense amount of joy in making and creating our own oat milk from scratch. I love plant-based milks, but our family had a serious oat milk habit that was costing us over $150 a month. Now we make our own in the blink of an eye and it has made my Rips Big Bowl cereal something that I've eaten every day for the last 30 years for breakfast even better. Believe me, your kitchen counter will be glad you made room for this blender. Visit thenutramilk.com and use the code PLANTSTRONG for a $50 discount and free shipping. In this first season of Plant Strong, we've showcased a lot of uplifting conversations to help inspire Joe Inga, our Bronx firefighter, as he adopts a Plant Strong lifestyle. Today, I want to invite you to listen in on a very candid and longer conversation with someone who inspires me, and that's Mr. Scott Jurek. Scott is by far one of the toughest Plant Strong athletes on the planet, and the most accomplished ultra-distance runner ever. Uh, he has won more races than I can name, but just to name a few, the Spartathon 153-mile race from Sparta to Greece. He's won that three consecutive times. The Hard Rock 100-mile race, the former American record holder uh, for the greatest distance covered in 24 hours. 
Scott ran 165.7 miles, and he also has won the Western States 100-mile endurance run seven consecutive times. And reading his latest book, North, Finding My Way While Running the Appalachian Trail, takes you right alongside his harrowing efforts, almost a last hurrah, to break the world record of 2,189 miles in just under 46 days, 8 hours, and 7 minutes. And as you're going to hear, Scott goes deep, deep into the pain cave. So deep, in fact, that his wife, Jenny, wasn't sure if he'd ever be the same. You'll hear Scott, Jenny, and I reference many of the people who helped Scott along the way on the Appalachian Trail using their nicknames such as Horty, Speed Goat, and many others. I would encourage you to roll with it and imagine yourself out on the Appalachian Trail, the Green Tunnel, for close to 50 days, averaging over 50 miles a day. And when all is said and done, covering over 1 million feet of elevation. Scott woke up one day reflecting on all of his athletic achievements while he was in fleece-lined slippers making pancakes one Sunday morning in Boulder, Colorado. And he looked around and thought, is this what I've become? A Sunday morning pancakes kind of guy? I think that a lot of men can relate to this place where we've landed in life. We used to thrive on adrenaline. We couldn't get enough of it. And I can tell you personally as a firefighter, there was nothing as exciting as going code three with lights blazing and sirens blaring, not knowing what exactly we were going to find when we arrived on the scene. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with domestic bliss and family time and being comfortable, but there's something to be said for plunging back into the unknown, setting a goal that scares you and going after it. When was the last time that you did something that pushed you to your physical and mental limits and got you out of your Sunday morning pancake comfort zone? Personally, I am focusing on breaking the world record in the 200-meter backstroke for men aged 55 to 59. Um, I'm terrified and over the moon excited at the same time, and I know that I will be entering my own pain cave of sorts as I push myself to the brink. I'm releasing this episode ahead of the holiday week in hopes that you'll take us with you as you head out on your next adventure and push yourself out of your Sunday morning pancake comfort zone. Thanks for listening. There's so many uh, like amazing quotes in here. Uh, one of them is... This is who I am and this is what I do. You had to like remind yourself this several times, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, that, that comes from my buddy Horty. I won't ruin the whole story, but yeah. there's a point where I'm really badly injured, where things are looking super bleak and it happens early on. And this is where I had a basically a, 
a really bad mid quad tear. And then on the other side, I had runner's knee patellofemoral pain. So anybody who's had the kneecap tracking problems that runners have that that's what was going on. So I had two bad injuries, one in each yeah. leg. Um, limping was almost impossible. Like just getting down the trail was, was extremely rough. And then lo and behold, Horty comes out and helps me in this section. And, you know, again, he and I have a love hate relationship. I mentioned this in the book where, so Horty always like has this, what I call half sage advice where you're like, okay, it's kind of the advice where like, okay, some of it's good. Some of it's not. And he, yeah, it sounded something really simple. And I'm like, oh, it's something, something stupid where Horty's is something. But the more I thought about it, it was, it was really critical. It just really came, it distilled things down. And that's what I had to do on the AT. I had to distill life down to just putting one foot in front of the other each day, getting out the van door. Mm-hmm. Okay, another 50 miles, another, you know, 48 miles, another 59 miles, 54, whatever it was. And I just had to keep doing that. So his advice of like, this is who I am, this is what I do. Sometimes you just need that simple advice mm-hmm. and that simple mantra versus something complex because life was pretty, um, it got really hard and sometimes there was a complexity to it out on the trail, but in general, it just came down to me putting one foot in front of the other and figuring out a way through mm-hmm. and, and figuring out a way through. I mean, this was the, the, the rainiest June in 300 years. I think you wrote, not only are you having to like get out there and go 40, 50, 59 miles a day, but you're also having to like fight the elements. You got to go through Rockylvania, right? <laughs> you've you've got to go through Vermud. I mean, you wanted a test and you wanted to suffer. I mean, it sounds like you got it in spades and then some. Yeah, it's funny because <laughs> the locals would show up and they'd be like, oh, the next section is going to be flat, more runnable. The next they're like tomorrow you're gonna hit some easy running and we kept looking forward to that and then every day we'd be like oh my gosh this is epic you know just because we were so new and we everything was so fresh to us you know like your local trail might seem like you could do that with Mm -hmm. your eyes closed but to somebody new you're like uh so we never really got into a groove where it was like oh cool this this part we can just kind of tune out and just like Mm. freewheel just run smoothly every day was kind of like strenuous and stressful like it was never really relaxed it was a grind and that's when when you do 50 miles a day there's nothing easy about that like sure you can have better days or days and times where you're like feeling good or jenny had days where everything Mm -hmm. clicked along strategically or like oh she found the places easily or found the you know great grocery stores or that sort of thing but in general because you're doing these huge distances, these huge physical challenges each day, it's not like, oh, now we can coast or now it gets easier. But And the weather and all of those elements just magnify everything. So if you're suffering oh. somewhat, you're now going to suffer you know, tenfold or fivefold, whatever it is. It's, mm-hmm. It just, it adds another, oh. you know, mm-hmm. five, 10 pounds to your pack, you know, when in actuality it isn't. I mean, look at anybody that's been on a camping trip and all of a sudden it starts raining and it just makes everything that much gloomier and darker and more depressing. And that, that's why, again, I mean, I just can't imagine how, what a tough June that must've been for you guys. Yeah. I mean, it was hard for me to watch him like every morning, try to, get himself mentally psyched to put on the same wet, dirty socks, wet, stinky clothes. His pack was wet. Nothing ever dried out. And so just like like the morale was low every morning. And so it was hard for me to be like, 
get out, go, you're late, TikTok, TikTok, you know, start your day because I knew how hard mm-hmm. it was just to motivate to get, mm-hmm. get out of the door mm-hmm. of the van. So one of the, one of the things before you uh, popped over on your run is we were talking about uh, you guys as a team. And uh, I mean, what do you think makes you and Scott such a, such a great team? You know, I think it's just that we're good friends, like we're best friends. And I know that sounds cliche, mm. but, you know, we'd been friends for years before we started dating. And like, we just kind of knew each other and had this, this different kind of rapport. I think just having that basis of respect and like admiration and just like, just um, there's always been like an ease when we hang out. And I think that really helps when we talk and when we have discussions or like arguments it's no drama or or low drama mm-hmm. most never ups and downs so i mean yeah. it's not like perfect yeah. but you're able to you have to be able to ride the different highs and lows and i think what's good about it, like you know jenny could be hard on me at times and we you have to know each other really well and i think mm-hmm. that's important with any team yeah. is you've got to know your team members or if you don't know them uh you just you still have to have respect and you have to have understanding yeah. and i think that's what we were good yeah. at yeah um and being adaptable and just being like yeah. oh okay well jenny's not psyched about all the people coming or not no, like, i had these it was things like so apparent in the book that you were just like so struggling with all the people that wanted a piece of scott and wanted to run with scott and, and they would drive five hours a father and son and they'd knock and like you know I mean, and you're just like, oh, not again. Oh, my God. But at some point, I feel like you're like, all right, I just got to, like, kind of roll with it and be okay with it. I mean, you know, like, now I'm always embarrassed when people bring it up. And I'm just like, they're oh. like you really said that? But you were being but, protective. Yeah, and, I was being protective, and yeah. it was stressful. And so when we wrote the book, I didn't want to change. You know, I didn't want to, like, soften it. Like, I wanted to yeah. be real. And, like, this is real. This is how I felt in the moment. And, like... In hindsight, you know, now I'm just like, ah, I should have been like nicer. But it was stressful because I didn't have time to do yeah. anything. I didn't have time to chit chat. I didn't even have time to like yeah. clean the blend, you know, clean anything. I had to just like do my thing, figure out where to go, drive, find gas, find ice, find a place where I could wash the dishes, find like just everything was so stressful for me. So all the people who are like so how's he doing yeah. you know i yeah. just feel like yeah. yeah don't ask me but yeah that was stressful but then once i got there was more people came out to help us so once i got a little more help and then um we got our rhythms down and once we kind of got out of the south into um more populated areas it was it was more fun for mm-hmm. me to like meet and we met a lot of great people and i yeah. loved yeah. some of them were still like family you know they're just like yeah. well what i found we still get christmas cards from <laughs> like the woman who brought us like a bag of just vegan groceries were like you know stuff that we hadn't seen in a while and again some of these were like prize, but jenny was like whoa like i haven't been able to shop for any of this stuff because yeah. there just weren't those kind of stores so yeah. these people that you know just out of the goodness of their heart and that's what the Appalachian Trail is all about yeah. from trail angels and all the history with the through hikers um, yes maybe I got a little bit more of that because people were following along yeah. and, and could you know come and search us out but yeah, yeah the vegan donuts all these things that you yeah. take for granted um, yeah. if you're out, you know out on the trail as a you know because trail angels are all over the place on the yeah. Appalachian Trail well one of one of I don't know if it was Horty or if it was Spigo but one of them basically they they, they came and First you were like, and then after a while you're like, wow, I'm really glad this person's here. And they 
were like saying, all right, Scott, if you want to even think about the record, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And you were willing to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to like move over. I'm going to like let them kind of, you know, make some, make some of these calls. And I think that Scott referred to it as nickel, nickel and diming right. and penning your yeah. way to the, right. to get the record. Is that right? Yeah. And that's another thing is just, we were out there doing our thing and, and then all of a sudden Hordy and Speed Goat come and there's all these different people and, you know, there's so many cooks in the kitchen. Every Hordy's telling him how to do it. Speed Goat's kind of telling. And I was like, hey, wait a minute, I'm in charge. But then after a while, I'm like, oh, no, no, these guys yeah. know what they're talking about. And these guys know how to talk to Scott because mm-hmm. I don't really know how to push him to keep doing these things. But but it was great to just kind of hand over the reins to those um, experienced like mentors and and really just learn from them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Speed Goat, yeah, he was one who I was like, no, 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 I don't want, because, you know, this is his baby. And I didn't yeah. want him to come in and I didn't really know what his... His motive intentions was. were, his motives were. Well, like, it was probably to learn learn the trail even better so he could get the record the next year. <laughs> but honestly, he was just so psyched to be there. He was like, yeah. oh, finally, somebody is is amped on my project, right. you know? So I think he really, he really just loved the energy. And then his energy was just so great for me to have around. I, right. Yeah, I really, it was invaluable. Yeah. And that's a, an example of the sport of ultra running, like, Yes, when we're on the race course, you know, it comes to blows and we'll just, you know, we'll beat the heck out of each other. But then after the race, we'll have a beer. And like Carl's one of those buddies where like, yeah, we're serious competitors, but that kindness of him coming out came from the best place. And it also added this fun dimension for Jenny. Like she's like, whoa, this is actually, you know, it added a lot of fun because, you know, he's just a geek about this stuff. And Jenny's just like, okay, so I finally somebody who's like totally geeking out on this and could take a little load off of those things and then she could lighten up and just have a little fun and be like okay i don't need to be stressed because carl's like okay we got to go down this road we're going to take a right you know he just knew like all these like you know he could recite off you know is it 32a or 32b um some forest roads so was he as dialed in as topher because it sounded like topher at the very end was like he had it dialed in like crazy well topher's got the ceo mentality and topher came in not knowing the AT like Carl, but right. researched enough and then had apps with numbers. So he's like, you know, he's yeah. used to looking at crunch and spreadsheets yeah. and like, he could tell me like, Hey, realistically, this is not going to happen. You know? And so bottom line, he's the yeah. bottom line guy of like, he could tell me exactly like if this, if you don't get, get on the trail now, yeah. we're not going to break the record. Like yeah. it was a matter of like, so he could really look at it that way where a speed goat knew all the ins and outs. Yeah. Um, Topher was just really good at analyzing the data and information available, but yeah. speed goat, I mean, he's like a bloodhound yeah. who could sniff out the AT anywhere. <laughs> like you would know, like, okay. So yeah. of the, of the 2,189 miles, how many of those miles would you say you ran by yourself and how many were with these guys you know strangers that wanted to run with you jenny do you have any idea it's a really good question and only a couple people have asked me this and it's really tricky i would say i would say i probably ran close to half of it by myself Mm -hmm. and the other half with people um, because there were stretches like later i would say you know i had somebody with me a good chunk of the time like yeah. so the sec the, the last third second half it was a good but then the first parts of it um very little well south, first half yeah there were two weeks when it was just us so i would only run like five to eight miles yeah. in the mornings and and then like occasionally a 
through hiker would run with him run a little section and stuff or hike with yeah, me you I know would for say a section maybe half you mm-hmm. remember him, so. mm-hmm. yeah um, maybe 40% on the the lower end like maybe it was cuz it was yeah. surprising like yeah there were a lot of people that would come out and yeah. one of one of the, one of the um <clears throat> the quotes that one of these guys threw out there I think it might have been Timmy but he said you know what this is like watching three movies, right? It was Forrest Gump, it was Groundhog's Day, and it was The Truman Show. Can you can you explain how that's the case for? Oh, people? definitely. And that was that was our buddy uh, Fat Boy Godale. Yeah, like, yeah, Fat Boy. He's he was just like his way of like summing it up yeah. was by movies, and you know it was Forrest Gumpish because sometimes I had thirty people. Like I ran across the was it the Hudson Rip Van Winkle Bridge? Yeah, exactly. The yeah. Rip Van Winkle I, I, Bridge. Yeah, he had your name. That's that's like. Seven miles from the farm where exactly. we have plants. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't <clears throat> see you out there, Rip. I know I wasn't there. Sorry. <laughs> no um, but yeah, it was this. It did have this feeling, and I did. You know, it had an energy. Like I said, people were like feeding off of it. I was feeding off of theirs. Like it was cool to be around. Like it, there was an excitement mm-hmm. happening, and so it was that kind of Forrest Gump feeling of like we got to follow this guy. Like we got to, yeah. You know, we want to be a part of it. I wanted to hear from them. I fed off their stories. People tell me like you know what has changed in their lives and like how they you know used to weigh 150 pounds more and just all these amazing stories that gave me motivation. And then of course the Truman Show because. Jenny can relate to this. You know, every day the same Hordy would knock on the door and be like, let's go to Maine. It was like the same awful alarm clock sort of thing. And Is and that Groundhog's Day? Yeah, Groundhog's that Day. Day. That's oh, Groundhog's sorry, Day. Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day. Yeah, and then the Truman Show was that everybody else was watching, right. following the tracker, following social media. And where I was, I was always in the woods like at the trailheads no service and so people knew more than i did where he was when he was coming like i'd be waiting 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 and then five cars would pull up and they're like oh he's five miles out he'll be here in an hour i'm like cool great thanks for the update i was like (laughs) you know and then people would be like oh yeah my son posted a picture on facebook with scott so i know he'll be here so it was like everybody else was watching live real time and we were just kind of in it in the bubble not yeah. really knowing yeah well and at one point you know you and scott had a blowout where you started running and he you, you're like okay i'm gonna break him and then scott you're like i can't believe that he's catching me and he caught you and then you're like you grab the tracker from him and you're like it's the tracker or me you decide <laughs> right <laughs> so much detail yeah that's i mean it's exactly what happened i was just out i was like I was so mad because, you know, I mean, we just never had any time to talk, never had any time to kind of just like vent to each other. There was never any private moments in the end. And so there was one time when he just kind of like disrespected me and I was just like, Oh no, you didn't! And like, <laughs> like in front of all of these people, strangers, and then also some of our good friends. I was just like, ha ha ha, mm and just like took off. And so you didn't, you you, you didn't care that he was probably, you know, broken, like, <laughs> so well, broken and messed no, up. No, uh-uh. no, no. At that time, I was all right, just relentless. Like, I was that's just like, I don't care if I sabotage this right now. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. You just have these emotions. Yeah, I, I was done. I was like, mm, I just spent the last, you know, two hours washing your dirty shorts, and here you are, like, yeah. just you know. And it was he was joking, but 
yeah. we didn't have time to like yeah, iron yeah. that out. And so, yeah. And that's what's hard because I was having to be on with all these strangers. Like I was perform, so I was performing my athletic endeavor on top of that. I was not entertaining, but you know, I was, I just couldn't be myself with my buddy. And that was like when Jenny and I could be ourselves as a couple, like when we ran together with no one else around us or my buddy, when I could just, you know, really tell him how I'm feeling. I had to like, put on this game face for all these people and I could still be real, but the reality is I'd have to tell them sometimes like, Hey, I need a break. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to, you guys have to drop back for a little bit now and just let me kind of like sort things out. So it was a little crazy and that's where it was hard because for Jenny and I, like the whole Truman show analogy, we were living a different life, so to speak. Like I didn't know what was happening on the outside world, except when people I'd be, I'd ask them, like sometimes I'd want little pieces. Cause like yeah. what I was experiencing was so far removed from that. We yeah. never looked at, I never looked at the news. Like Jenny sometimes would look at social media, but it wasn't like she was pouring over the news. And so people would give me bits and pieces or people like, Oh yeah, you know, the next episode of the game of Thrones. I'm like, Hey, Hey, I haven't like listened or watched any of it. Like, so yeah. there were these things like, yeah, we definitely were detached from, the outside world, which was so cool because that's when you do these things, you want to be detached. You know, Mm -hmm. if you go to a meditation retreat or you go to, um, something like this where you're out in the woods and you're just kind of disconnecting, like you're purposefully doing that. And that's, there's a lot of value in that. But then there was also all the the stress of everything happening around the outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't, I can't even imagine. And I don't think, so do you guys looking back on it, did you have any idea the depths of the, the, the pain cave and the suffering and, that you were guys going to go through? I didn't. I mean, the way he talked about it, he was like, oh, yeah, this, you know, I got this. This Here's a little number crunching. Here's a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in time for your birthday. You know, I just thought it was like we're going to go on a fun adventure. You know, I knew it was going to be hard, right? But I didn't realize it was going to get dark. I knew I definitely knew it was going to get dark and I probably sugarcoated a bit for Jenny because I tried to say, Oh, it's going to be like a fun family vacation. And you know, yeah, I'll be able to knock this out. And that's that confidence. Like you have to have that confidence. This was, I had to put some of my old self of like, okay, yeah, this is totally doable. I know I can break this record. Um, you know, I have speed goat there being like, dude, this is really tight. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm like, I can bust this out. Like this is that, that's the mentality you have to have. But then on the other hand, I did have respect for it. I knew it was, you know, a trail that I still had to pay respect to. Like it's the Appalachian trail doesn't have horse travel. It's not switched back as much. It's foot travel only. So it gets tricky that way where it is, um, it is a trail that's going to take a lot out. And I knew the experience together Mm -hmm. was going to push our relationship. It, Mm -hmm. I knew a lot of those things. I just didn't know how far I wanted to get uncomfortable and I knew it was going to get, gnarly at times but oh i mean i I mean i have all these quotes in here that i love to read but it's just it it gets it gets uglier and uglier and uglier and uglier until at some point you know i think you said or somebody said you know what scott wasn't at one with the trail he was becoming the trail you were like becoming this (laughs) this feral um uh this feral creature right i mean that that was like yeah you were turning into the trail and i just was like oh my god and you you referred to him like as a piece of driftwood right i mean he looked like a, an old piece of driftwood and i i just kept thinking of Gollum. he's like turning into Gollum on the trail was. i mean he was so dirty just like dirt embedded deep in 
every like wrinkle his fingernails and like he smelled like compost you know he kind of had this like ranky fermented stink about him and he just he was he was like he was like do all these weird yeah, like he, t- facial tics and his hands were kind of shaky and and i think just you know the cumulative lack of sleep and the obviously the miles but um he was just so used to living on the trail and he would just like stop to pee and like not even <laughs> worry that like 20 people are behind him watching i'm just like whoa okay really going for it here but, um, and it's it it's funny to laugh at now, but at the time, Rip, I was really worried. Yeah. Like, I was worried that he wouldn't come back, you know? Like, he had just this, like, look in his eyes that was foreign to me after knowing him for so long. And, and like, I saw well, him, yeah. you know, at races and stuff. I'd never seen this. But I think that's just a testament to how how deep you went. I mean, you. so did you feel like you've ever gone that deep before? Oh, this was on a de- next level for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. people, you can't even compare the physical challenge, but the mental challenge, like there's nothing else I've done probably in my life yeah. that compares in terms of athletically yeah. and yeah. physically, mentally. You but, so, but so I think that, that that's, I mean, that's why you were afraid that maybe can he come back from this, right? It's like Rocky Balboa going 15 rounds with Apollo. <laughs> and at some point you're like, he's like, you know, cut me. One of the most common questions that I get from athletes is how to properly fuel. So before we dive back in, I want to talk candidly about how I've made it easier to eat this way for thousands of people with our Plant Strong meal planner. We know that making a big change can seem overwhelming, and it isn't easy coming up with new menus week over week over week, or to stay inspired in the kitchen. Now, whether you're fueling a week at the office or a week on the Appalachian Trail, the answer for us is always the same. We just eat plants. Now, to help inspire you, we've created a simple and inexpensive solution. It's called the Engine 2 Plant Strong Meal Planner. It's filled with hundreds upon hundreds of recipes, and we're adding new recipes all the time. And it has the really savvy ability to customize your plant-based life based upon your individual preferences, your household size, and any allergens you may have. And it's staffed with the absolutely friendliest Engine 2 coaches to help answer any and all of your questions. I would invite you to visit mealplanner.engine2.com. It's just a buck ninety a week when you sign up for a year. And you can save $10 off the annual plan with the code PLANTSTRONG, one word. Now, let's return to Scott and Jenny and the Appalachian Trail. Let me read this passage right here. It's a strange thing, but even though I remember feeling triumphant and optimistic when Special Forces and I summited and then began our descent, I would later hear that this was the point in the journey when I really started to frighten people. Strangers stared at me when I picked up my food with my dirty fingers and shoved it into my mouth. They said I looked like a shadow of myself, a weaker, sicker version. My skin was stretched taut uh, over my cheekbones, and I had grown scraggly facial hair. More than a Heisenberg, but not quite a beard. But, um, and, and that's before it really starts getting ugly. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that was the start. <laughs> that was the start <laughs> of it. Things got worse from oh. there. Which is that's like what you said earlier. Like you, you couldn't, you know, you can't imagine things getting worse. But like that's what kept happening. Like yes, there were some highs for sure. Like people would join us. My our buddy Timmy, who came out, like he helped reset things. There were those individuals that helped us, like special forces, where we'd get like yeah. moments of hope. But then things would just get so. I mean the the lack of sleep and just everything started to chip away to where there was nothing. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the, the cumulative cumulant effect of the stress that you're putting your body under, you know, the fact that you're, you're, you're basically wasting away just because you're expending so many calories, even though you're eating, what, 7,000 a day. And then the fact you're asking your body, you go 59 miles, you get four hours of sleep, and then you got to wake up, and then you got to go 59 or 50, whatever you got to do. And your body's not able to re- really recover, right, during that sleep phase. And then you have this, this part, I think it's the last seven days, you call it the long last day, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that is where I'm like, oh, my God, it can't get any worse than it does. It gets worse and worse. And you talk about how, you know, I was so looking forward to actually becoming trail-hardened and having my body kind of get used to this and, be, and you just get, you, just, you started getting buried and buried and buried. And you said, you know, he's basically digging his own grave. Yeah, I mean, because like you said, in the whites of New Hampshire, like they, that was like an all-time low, but then that wasn't even close to the lowest part. That was just the start. Like things got so much worse from there. And and it was, it, every time I saw him, I'd be scared. Yeah. I'd be scared. And I just wanted to like, slam the door shut lock the doors and drive away did you ever away. just look at him and just start bawling like oh my gosh what's happening no i didn't start no. i never started bawling because you know it it just it wasn't that kind yeah, of like okay. oh i feel so it was more just like like jaw dropping kind of thing um but and she couldn't but, let that on to me i mean that's the like you talk about team and like you know, jenny is here like yeah managing this whole thing and you can't have you can't have the team leader right being like oh crying and being like, oh, like i mean that's yeah, but, not but, a position that you can but the do. team leader is also your wife oh, exactly that's the thing <laughs> and so like in the inside yeah she might have had that but on the outside she had to make this sound like okay yeah. like fire up everyone like we got this but so, so let me i mean i'm reading that and i'm like okay if I'm Scott Jurek and, and I push myself that hard, I can't do it. I can't wake up after two hours of sleep on that long last seven day stretch and doing that again and again and again and again and put one foot in front of the other. I mean, you talk about how at one point you're standing there, there's a root in front of you and you're like, should I go to the left? Should I go to the right? How do I, how do I lift my leg? And then you trip over it, right? You're that decimated and obliterated. But I don't understand. What, what drove you to keep going? Was it you didn't want to disappoint Jenny? Was it you wanted the record? I mean, why? I think it's a combination of all of those things. Like the record was the impetus for sure. If I didn't have the record looming out there, I would have been like, yeah, let's take this casual. Let's, you know, why push? So I think we all, everyone needs that, a record, a goal, or something in their life that, is looming out there. It's not always your focus because some days it was like, I couldn't even think about the record. I just had to like, okay, how am I going to stay alive right now or get down this section of trail, put one foot in front of there, but we need something, an impetus to push us further. And I think that's what the the book is about. That's what this journey, but for everyone out there, mm-hmm. 
there's always a little bit more in us than we think. And that's where I was squeezing out. Like, I mean, I was squeezing out the, you, the towel or the sponge, like, and there was like just moisture coming out of it, but there was still something to squeeze out. And I think that's the testament or the, the lesson here for me is that even all of these athletic events that I've, you know, accomplished and thought I went to deep and dark places, this was something that was going to bring me further. And even when I thought I was at the brink, when I couldn't give any more, still had something in there. And that's, that's why I think I do these things. Um, you know, when I look back at it, it that was the importance. Like if I well, didn't have that, it wouldn't have been as you certainly important. were, you're, you weren't back home in Kansas making pancakes on Sunday anymore, were you? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, my no, gosh. But that morning, I mean, like you talked about, that last night he rolled into the van and he thought he was going to get four hours of sleep and it, Topher was like, mm-mm, yeah. one hour. You know. You're like, do, two, do, do me two, dude, I'll this. give you. I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't want to ruin it for people, but like, we, I almost got to a point, like, I almost wanted to deck Topher. Like, just, I almost got to this point. And just you don't like, talk about just, crying. Yeah, Toph was in tears. Like Toph was in tears. Like oh. it was so. He, he said he gave you that talk, and then he went to his car yeah. and started bawling. Yeah, it was so emotional because we still had this big mountain to climb, and that there was no time. And Chrissy was crying. Our friends there were just like, because he was basically stumbling on pine needles at that point, just yeah. like couldn't even function as a normal human being, but. Then that morning, you know, two hours of sleep, he rolls out like fresh as, you know, like our first day. And I think about like LeBron James says, like, never underestimate the heart of a champion. Yes. And I feel like that Scott, he had all these years of when mm. he knows that feeling, he knows he's so close and like he knows how to get it done. No matter like if his body's saying no, like something in his heart was just like, I'm going to do this. And he, his whole attitude switched. He was like laughing. He was climbing up that mountain, like better than I've ever seen him climb. It was this, like, this is what I do. I'm a champion. And this is how I'm going to ride this to the finish. And I was like, you got this. Like it was well, totally revolutionary. And that's, and that is, I think a great transition to, I want to read this because this is insane. Back on day two, Jerker had told a reporter that this would be his masterpiece. I'd cringed, but in a way he was right. He'd gone to the graveyard and come back. He'd messed up and learned along the way. He'd pushed his body beyond what was possible and put it all out there for the world to see. In one sense, it was the most beautiful expression of his running career. I mean, wow. <laughs> that's how I felt. I yeah. was blown away. I was like, here's my husband, here's my best friend, this person mm -hmm. I've known for so long in such a close and intimate way. Like we're always together. And I'd never seen this before. I'd never mm -hmm. seen this side. I've never been so inspired by this person that I know so well. It was it was mm -hmm. just like I said, yeah, it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Scott, Scott, I, <laughs> not to be cheesy or anything, but it was like it was a really special moment to see and witness. And that's yeah. where, like, writing about this, and I, for those listening, we trade voices. So Jenny and I share voices in the book, and I think the ability for her to describe things too helps with the book. And writing the book was 
10 times harder than the AT, it seemed like, you know, we went through three different drafts, but um, when you read phrases now from it, cause like Jenny and I haven't like read it in a long time. So it's fun to like hear some of these phrases cause we really, we put it out there in the book, but oh. that's what we did on the trail as well. And it was, it's one of those things where, yeah, yeah you just, until you can look back at it now and be like, mm. that was amazing. But at the time it, mm. and that's, I think for everyone out there, like life is going to get tough. Life does throw a lot of roadblocks in the way and it's just, it is a grind mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some way, somehow you have to put one foot in front of the other and yeah. get through it. Yeah. I, I want to read another passage and, uh, if you guys don't mind. Yeah. All right. Is it mine or Scott? Um, well, we'll find out. <laughs> Looking back, I could see we were underprepared and naive. We thought we'd have this romantic and healing adventure for our tight family of two, but I realized that we would never be standing here if it weren't for the countless strangers who'd come out to help. They felt like family too, and I felt content. My heart was full. I'd stopped thinking about my yearning for a baby which had cast a pall over the drive out east. Jerker and I had everything we needed and more. I had seen this man who I spent practically every hour with at home transform into someone I didn't know and then reemerge as someone better. He'd needed this journey. He'd needed to return to the edge. He had slowly transitioned from ultra running legend to my domestic dream and he needed to once again feel what it was like to suffer. Elective suffering is such a strange thing. At its essence, pushing his limits was a way for Jerker to learn more about himself and our relationship. Like Dean Potter once said, I willingly expose myself to death consequence situations in order to predictably enter heightened awareness. And it often leads to a feeling of connect, uh, connectivity with everything. I mean, that, that, that is such a powerful quote <laughs> i mean r.i.p dean such a powerful man just like this life force that was that is just yeah. missed but he was such a mystic and we really admired the way he carried himself and lived his life and you know i these those guys were so similar they had a lot of yeah um brotherly well there, and there's a, and there's a really amazing section in there where you talk about where you and Dean and Scott, you're, you're in Yosemite. And, mm-hmm. and what are you climbing? Half Dome. Half, half Dome. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott, you were not having fun. I was definitely out of my element. I mean, I, and I knew that, but I was like, I'm going to do this for Jenny because, you know, it's her birthday. I'm going to haul up all her stuff. And, yeah, it was, it was one of those things. We won't ruin it for everyone, but they definitely have to read that because I think it's a moment of, like, me showing a real weakness of mine. Like, I'm not, like, He's Jenny's not super comfortable He's on not. the rocks, like, pulling herself up a frayed rope or half frayed rope <laughs> to get up stuff. Yeah. And like, I mean, you're like, you, so you're, you're just as much an adventure seeker and liver of little liver of life. And I mean, fashion designer, right? Didn't you used to like, or still oh, des- yeah. design clothes for mm-hmm. Patagonia and now your own line or yes, no. Um, well, I freelance <laughs> now. I worked yeah. in house for Patagonia for three years and then now yeah. I freelance for other yeah. brands and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a climber. I'm a ultra runner. I I think that's where we find a lot of common ground. Is just that we both like to push each other and and also just like help each other achieve their goals. Like mm-hmm. climbing Half Dome was one of my dreams. And Scott, you know, as he was like, let's do it. Let's make this happen. Let's carve out a weekend. And then he did. You know, he hiked out. I won't no, hear the yeah. story, but yeah. he's just such a such yeah. a a champ and always like 
helping me achieve yeah. my goals. Yeah, yeah. And that's how well, it works. Like Jenny knows, a has a respect. Like she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't always like to push herself. I like to say like, <laughs> in the book, we mentioned this too, yeah. where, you know, Jenny doesn't like to hurt as much as I do. Like she's I'm a casual. little, <laughs> she's more casual, but she still has that respect and understanding of like what it takes or yeah. why somebody would do that. And I think that's important for when people embark on goals or, or try to, whether it's change anything in your lifestyle. Say you're somebody who's changing your diet. Like it helps to have family members who, okay, maybe they're not fully on board, but they at least respect like, okay, I'm going to respect that you're going to try this and do this and not like bring you down. And I think Mm. that's the most important thing when it comes to a friendship or relationship Mm. of any type, you you have to be able to be supportive on whatever level that is. I I think we can, we can talk about this. It won't ruin it for people, but you got the record. Yes. And most people know that. (laughs) That was really hard. Like uh, some people, like they followed online and social media and they're like, Oh, well I don't need to read the book. I like followed along. I lived it on social media as it was happening. But people that do read the book after like, Whoa, there were so many things we didn't know. And that's what we really tried to do and really tried to bring out like the motivation and inspiration for people that may never want to do the 2000 mile Appalachian trail, but they want to or go after a record of that type, yeah. but that they could get something from it. So, so yeah, four, 46 days, eight hours, seven minutes. You broke the old record by three hours. Did you even know you had it with a day and a half to go or did it no. re- literally come it down literally to came down? It literally came that, down that morning, to the last, that last morning. <laughs> and that's where like, if you had asked me again, like that's not everyone just like, Whoa, what a finish. That was awesome. Did you plan that? I'm like, no, like, I mean, yeah, you don't try and plan like yeah. suffering, no. you know, on a and, next, yeah, on and another then, level, just. And then, to me, one of the most miraculous things is, and then you, 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 you beat the record on Jenny's birthday. Oh yeah, well, what was... a birthday present! I know, happy birthday! And it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful Sunday, I think. Oh. Um, just bluebird summer day. It was yeah. awesome. I mean, because we could have had horrible weather, but that last week when he was really hurting, we had great, uh, like, the. it was the only time in our trip where we had yeah. a good block. Good and that was, that was amazing to be able to share that with Jenny. Like, even though things were tight, there got to be a point, like, not until those last five miles where I knew, okay, yeah. unless I really messed things up, it would be hard to not yeah. break the record. And that's where we could finally just enjoy that last five miles together yeah. and you know climbing the highest peak in maine the views you get it's just an amazing so when i was experience. when i was done i was thinking god you know imagine if you guys would have reconned it better you had only reconned one percent of the trail before you did it which i mean ludicrous and if you would have gone southbound if you didn't have the torrential rains you know all these other things you know but Hey, you, you, you went northbound. You kind of held fast to your, you know, your 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 theory and your guns, and you bloody did it, right? <laughs> you bloody <laughs> pulled it off, right? Close, the heart tight. of a, the heart yeah. of a champ. Um, do you have? And I and I mean this. Do you have nightmares of those white blazons? And maybe you're <laughs> you're, you're you're out there I on the trail. Some, I definitely had some do dreams, like right yeah. after. Like I definitely could see how. Again, I I cannot. I haven't been to war. I haven't done some of these things or been in really severe life threatening conditions. I mean, you're a firefighter, you've, you've been in situations. So those kind of, but this was close to that in that I did have a little PTSD after where I would be out on a trail, just hiking with Jenny, um, a week or two weeks after. And I'd be like, Whoa, I was right back in the AT. Like it just brought back. And I had definitely some nightmares early on where I'm like, thought I was sleeping on rocks in the middle of the night and stuff like that. But it's kind of worn off. And now 
I guess what I remember most, if I do have like dreams or bring back, it just, I remember the hard stuff for sure, but there's a lot of great stuff. Like, wow, that yeah. was, that was freaking awesome. Like I did like almost go back and like have that same experience. That's what, again, even though it took a lot of years now to be like, okay, I think I might want to do something like that again. Um, at the same time, there's so many fresh memories and so many cool things. Like I was actually in Vermont this past weekend and I thought to myself, like, Oh, it'd be so fun to come back out here with the kids and, right. and bring them back. And Jenny and I haven't spent really any time on the trail besides I helped my buddy Carl the next year, break my own record. Jenny didn't get to experience, but we haven't gone out together. Um, besides last year on book tour for North. So you haven't gone out together since then. Well, on the AT. On the AT, yeah. okay. We, no, did, we did the but... little, we went to Springer Mountain with Raven and Evergreen last year on book tour because we were in Atlanta and had enough time we went up to the mountain. Yeah. So, 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 so for people that don't know, so, you know, going, going in, you had had two miscarriages and, uh, and now today, 2019, you guys have a family, you have two children. I mean, how, how amazing. Yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride since we finished the trail. Um, right. And so, yeah, there's so many. Another things. journey. <laughs> Another sleepless, <laughs> just, right. you know, elective suffering journey. Like, why did we do this again? Like, you know, so, so, you know, overjoyed for sure. But then also, you know, it comes with its own set of challenges. So, yeah, yeah you know that. And ever, anybody who has kids or takes care of kids somebody's kids or family's kids yeah it's amazing um but we would like to go out and hit the trails with the kiddos right now but it's it's a little bit hard when one our little one isn't walking yet so we're kind of carrying all the weight right now (laughs) it's 55 pounds right now it's like on top of everything else you know and we go really light yeah it's um fun but but we do our own adventures we might try some bike packing instead of backpacking yeah we could do some day day hikes on at and stuff like that but yeah i was out there i'm like oh man can't wait to show the kids these little sections and jenny and i for to go out and experience things because it was really touching last year being out there on the summit of springer and being like whoa like three years earlier we were out there um help me is springer where the tower is is no, that's Strutter or, or so Springer is the start of the Appalachian Trail outside of Atlanta, and it's okay. It's where things, and it's not this epic mountain or anything. It's it's actually you can barely see anything from it. Mm. It's mostly treed in, and it's only three thousand five hundred feet or something right. like that. It's relatively low, but uh, it's still brought back you know at least goosebumps to us because I mean of, it's not an epic mountain per se like if you're used to big mountains, but it is there's something really special and like. Yeah. Like powerful. Well, didn't that like people were setting off that day yeah. on their own through hikes. Like they were starting yeah. that day when we were there, we got to talk to them and like, yeah. it was just like, Oh man, I wish we could join you right well, now. Like, didn't you say this is the oldest mountain range? The Appalachian. Yeah. So it's, um, debated amongst geologists, like what's older there. There's, yeah talk like some of the Ozarks and parts of the Ozarks might be older, but compared to even the Himalaya and all these mountain ranges that everyone's like, oh, because they've been worn down so much over geologic time, but they have been, you know, a lot of geologists say they were probably higher than the Himalaya and some of these, you know, mountain ranges that we think, but they've just been worn down. So they have this feeling of just rugged, worn down mountains that are only at their highest five, Mm 6,000 feet, Mm -hmm. but they still they still have this, like you can tell there's something rugged about them. Like, and when you're on them, you know, too, because they're just yeah. climbing these. You say, it's, so it's, the, it's nicknamed the green tunnel. Is that because like of the 2,189 miles, 
how how many times are you like completely exposed and you're you're not you know you don't have you know trees and you know that kind of a canvas above you i'd say maybe 20 percent of the time that's it maybe yeah so is that 30 i don't know it's so did you so is that good or bad i mean Uh, does that protect you a little bit from the rain (laughs) really nothing nothing. eventually the rain comes down (laughs) (laughs) it comes down hard hard all right i i don't i don't want to backtrack too much here but i do want to say one of the things that i thought was super touching that you guys did is you guys made a point i think to cross every state boundary together 14 states right i mean that was that pretty important to you guys yeah it was it was just like this little tradition that we do and um i think i missed one but um yeah, it was just a way to, it was a tangible yeah. way for us to track progress, you know, because yeah. doing the grind, you're kind of like, <gasps> but the state border crossings were And Jenny didn't get to run with me as often as she did early on because it was just, there were too many things going on. She couldn't break away. I had so many people around me, so we didn't get to share us. But one thing we wanted to share were those mm-hmm. state crossings. Like, like Jenny said, it was, it was yeah. really a... Especially to just yeah. to get a little bit. Again, it was like glimpses of hope of like, we're making it. Like, we're doing this. Fuel. I have done a couple 24-hour mountain bike races in my life. And at some point, like my stomach just is like, oh, you need to, you need to fuel yourself. But you're like, your stomach, I don't, want, I don't want another gel. I don't want another cliff bar. I don't want another whatever. How did you, I mean, did you just have a tough-ass stomach? I have a pretty good stomach. I'd say over the years of racing, I've been able to, but dehydration does set it off. Like anybody can have stomach problems, even if you have an ironclad stomach. So, um, the one thing about the Appalachian trail, because I wasn't, I was pushing myself, but just on a different level. So I wasn't pushing myself at a hundred mile race pace each day. So I never really got to a point where I was extremely dehydrated and that's what will set off the Mm -hmm. nausea and the stomach issues most people experience in ultras. I mean, there can be other things, but if you're on a 24 hour bike race, um, you're probably having stomach issues due to dehydration because you're always walking that fine line of like hydrated, not hydrated. And like, as soon as you go to the dehydration side, you get further in the hole after a while nausea sets in. So for me, actually, I didn't really have any bad bouts with nausea because I was, because I wasn't pushing my pace. I was pushing hard, but Keep in mind, I was doing 50 miles a day, so I yeah. couldn't run as hard as what I would do in, say, at a 100-mile yeah. race. So yeah. it was, like, a little different. And because the AT doesn't lend itself to a lot of running, it was a lot of hiking. So there were some days where I was definitely mm-hmm. feeling like, okay, I need more sodium. I need to be more aware of things, yeah. but never but, really ran into so those So to me, issues. one of the most crucial things in you being successful is your feet. I mean, did you get blisters? How many pairs of shoes did you take? Uh, I know, I know the story about the size 12 pair that you gave to somebody and you're like, Oh, where are they? Oh, that's right. I gave them to that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, my feet did actually, well, I mean, they had their moments. I had little spots. Jenny was worried about one spot and I was too, where it just looked like it had gotten infected because your feet never, they never really get to dry out. Like Jenny said, at night is the only time they dry out. Um, there's just a lot of potential for things to happen. So not so much blisters, but just the sheer fact of being wet all the time and the skin not being able to dry out. That's that's something that you deal with uh, when you're on the AT. So it, it's a real balance because some people get serious like trench foot and can get where the, the skin just oh, literally bet. falls off. And you see these crazy blisters on AT through hikers and some of them look like you, know, you have a special protein. kind of pair of socks? Like, I didn't actually. And that's where, like, after a while, I think, again, you, you doing this for sponsor. so many, yeah, 
doing this for so long, like I, Jenny, I, Jenny's like, what do you need all these socks? Where I brought enough socks just in case. But in the end, I would just wear the same, you know, three, four, five pair and circulate them. Sometimes they'd get shredded and I've yeah. got some really hardy socks from Brooks that I use, but at the same time, just the trail and the mud in there. Um, and then after a while I was like, I don't care what I put on my feet. I'm just going to put on the way. How many pairs That's of like, shoes did you take? I took probably, I think over 10 pairs, 12 pairs, but I actually only ended up using eight. Hmm. Um, and I gave some away other people used it because again, I'm a, one of these guys that likes to just use shoes because it was on the trail too. Yeah. the uppers would wear out from time to time. But in general, I was able to put five, 600 miles on each pair or a while, 400 something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'm going to ask you, you refer, or maybe it was you, but you, you refer to the AT as a life course, not a race course. I think that's so apropos. <laughs> It's true. Um, it was one of those things where, again, it, it, and it's not a race. It was like something I was challenging myself with the record. But because it had so many layers, because it had so many um, lessons and challenges, it wasn't like the typical race mm-hmm. that I was used to or, or race environment, competitive environment. It was, it was completely something else. I mean, and, and that's why I wanted to do something like this. I wanted it to be more of that soul searching yeah. kind of experience. If you guys as a team had to do one of three, th- and then you can't answer till I'm done. Right. A do the AT again, B write another book. C have another baby. <laughs> and you can have D none of the above. <laughs> No, definitely do the AT again. Definitely the AT again for me but too. But just casual. Like we would do it again yeah, yeah. together or right. as a family. Or like, right. I mean, I think it'd be fun if our kids, when they graduate high school, they go out and then we go southbound. You know, we kind of meet on the trail or yeah. something. But I never want to write another book. And I also am done having children. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jenny, that, I, I don't have to bear yeah. the brunt of carrying yeah. a, a child and, and going through the birth process, but uh. definitely the AT. And I, I definitely feel like we're at a spot maybe where we could do another big adventure run. Maybe not the AT again, but something different. Yeah. 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 All right, Scott. Joe is getting ready for this triathlon. I would love, you know, he, he hasn't run in 12 years. You have got six tips and, uh, and best practices. I'm going to tee you up, and then if you could just talk about each one for just a sec. First one is connect. Well, I think the the biggest thing with connect is making sure you have a support system and connecting with others around you. Um, There are going to be those days where, yeah, you can train by yourself and Mm -hmm. everything's going to go great, but sometimes you need that social interaction. So I would say connect with those local groups, whether it's, you know, if it's a running running store or club, uh, maybe it's a triathlon group club or something like that, but having those times where you get together with other people so that you can connect with them, pick their brains, feed off of their energy. I, I think that's really important. I've really benefited from that over the years. Yep. Love that one. Uh, stretch. Yeah. Stretch is an interesting one. Um, that this is where I tell people focus on the areas where, you know, they're, they're tight, whether past injuries or, you know, postures you have to do for work that puts you in a vulnerable position. You don't have to have the flexibility of a gymnast to run 
a marathon or to do a triathlon, but you do have to have flexibility in muscle groups that you know are problem areas. So I always try to tell people like spend that five minutes on those areas that you know are tighter where you've had injuries or know that they could be detrimental. And I I know you and I both are fans of uh, Jim and Phil Wharton and their stretching books. Definitely. I'm a big fan of the active isolated method just because it's easy. And the Whartons are where I first learned that years ago, Mm -hmm. just because again, people don't have time to stretch for 20 minutes. Typically, um, if you set aside 20 minutes, great. But if I could get my physical therapy patients stretching a little bit, I thought, okay, if they can do this method, because it's only you know two second hold, you repeat yeah. it, you use an active contraction on the other side of the muscle group you're stretching. So I would say check that out because it's mm-hmm. a, an interesting method that a lot of people haven't heard about mm-hmm. before. Uh, three equip. Yeah. Equipping yourself, um, with equipment now, like equipment and equipping, that's something where people think, Oh, running shoes and all that. But I think of equipping yourself too, with the right mindset, Mm. with the, the, the attributes you're going to need for the endeavor that you're going to encounter. So think about all of the aspects. And this is where I'm a big fan of looking at the body and fitness and performance, not just say on running miles or getting those laps in the pool or the miles on the bike. It's really about what are you doing to fuel your body? Mm. What are you doing from the sleep side of things? What are you doing uh, to minimize stress so that recovery can happen? So, um, as much as on the AT, I wasn't (laughs) getting the best recovery, um, equipped to me means a number of things. Yes. You got to have the right equipment. And I love the fact that running and a lot of ultra endurance sports are simple, but, um, equipment comes from and equip comes from so many different levels. Um, for fuel, fuel is everything. I mean, we wouldn't be on this podcast probably if we were to talk a little bit about, uh, a plant-based diet. And for me, this is where I thankfully got into looking at my diet at a young age when I started realizing like fast food five times a week, wasn't going to cut it. Um, eating a, a diet focused on meat and somebody who didn't like vegetables, I had to find. So I think for fueling, not only fueling on the race course and making sure that you fuel things from a carbohydrate and water and electrolytes, you have to think about, the, again, the big picture long-term. Uh, Joe's running and competing his first uh, triathlon here, but it's what about after that? What about the everyday living? And for me, I feel like the plant-based diet has helped me from a recovery standpoint, but also for just longevity. Like we want to be younger, more youthful. We want to be, I mean, I want to keep running until, like I said, my legs don't allow me to do that. And that's where I feel like the benefit of a plant-based diet. So fueling, not just on your runs and your rides, but fueling in everyday life and that everyday diet. And and what are you doing to, to fuel it properly? Um, Five strike. Yeah. The foot strike is really important. It's something that a lot of people get hung up on. People will try to say, what's the best way I like to say a midfoot strike is the best so that you're, you're setting yourself up for basically keeping your body and your center of mass over, mm-hmm. over the, the foot strike. So for most people, I tell them a midfoot strike. So think about foot flat. You don't want to strike out ahead with your heel and four foot running, yes, you could do that for shorter distances, and some of the best runners in the world can do that for a marathon. But pretty much four foot striking is going to lend yourself to a little bit more stress on the Achilles tendon, mm-hmm. the, the calf, and the gastroxoleus muscles. So I try to tell people find that middle point, that mid strike, mid foot strike where you're landing foot flat, and that'll help you keep your stride rate up. So with the foot strike stride rate should be eighty five to ninety strides per minute. But really thinking of an efficient, you're almost like 
your legs should almost be circling like a, a bicycle wheel. You don't want to be landing too far in front or too far behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, number six, recover. Which you had a hard time doing. Yeah, exactly on the AT. And the, yeah, don't do as I do. <laughs> or take my advice, believe. But recovery is really key. And I think recovery can be mean so many things to people. Um, yes, for athletes, for individuals, they, they know about recovery. So cycling your training. This is where being in touch with your body and even more than just the word recovery, I think listen to your body. Uh, recovery doesn't happen if you don't listen to it. Um, you might not have the Appalachian Trail speed record hanging over your head and you know limited time. Most people have time to, whether it's sleep, whether it's changing your training, if you're not feeling like it, pull back on certain days, listen to your body. Um, and when you feel good, yeah, you can push it. But I think the biggest thing is we don't tend to recover in life as well, whether it's mm-hmm. stress, mm-hmm. um, try to manage all those aspects. Cause you can't be the best when it comes to your ride or your run. If you have a lot of things going on and I've had days where, you know, work or family are stressful and know like, okay, this isn't the day to like push it workout wise yeah. and, and just kind of listen to that. Yeah. what's going on with your yeah. your I've whole had, body situation. I've had some really good athletes that have have said, you know, anybody can get out there and just pound, right? But it's the really it's the ones that have the discipline to actually take the days off, recover, allow the adaptation to occur, right? Definitely. That um that be, that become some of the greatest. Do you have any advice for Joe? So, do you know who Joe Inga is? Have we mm-hmm. talked to you at all about Joe? He, so he's so. a Bronx firefighter that reached out to me for help in January. In season one of this podcast, is I'm kind of marshalling together a lot of my superhero friends that are plant-based awesome. to help Joe. Uh, he, so he's trying to be plant-based. He's trying to lose weight. He's trying to regain his lost health. And he's got a, a triathlon in September that he's going to do. And um, yeah, and so he's just he's psyched to kind of get out of this this sick zone that he's been in for a long time. I mean, I, I'm not a professional, but my little secret is I do listen to music. I have a little bit of some power songs queued up. And so just sometimes when I'm just not feeling it, just a certain song that makes you laugh or like gets your booty moving. It's (laughs) it's helpful to me. So maybe just have like a little power, power playlist. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, and, and you guys have been eating plant-based as a, as a couple since you've known each other or how long? I was actually vegetarian first. Yeah. I, I was vegetarian. Um, and you say that very was, proudly. Well, because people think, well, because Rip, you're like, so Jenny, you're an adventurer yourself. And I'm like, hey, oh. I was doing ultras before I met this guy. I was like, you know, I well, not before I met him, but before we were hanging yeah. out. But I, um, yeah, I was vegetarian um, since I was 14. And then when we started dating, you know, I was kind of just a lazy, like, veggie burger and ketchup kind of person then he's such he kind of won me over with his cooking and then i it was easy just to make the switch to vegan when we started dating so yeah yeah so so going on 11 years 11 years now and i've been plant-based uh it's coming up on 20 20 years yeah yeah joe you can do this you can absolutely do this all right scott and jenny thanks for taking time out of your morning to come over here i really appreciate it um you guys this book north finding my way while running the appalachian trail i uh, i devoured it in in about two days 
and uh, you've got me inspired when I next time I go to the farm to, you gotta to, get out on the AT definitely to, to, to get on the AT with my whole family oh for sure and uh, and we'll be thinking of you guys and and, and the journey that you guys had but th- thanks for sharing this w- with, with the world and it's out in all and, formats so people are audiobook yeah. listeners Jenny and I actually read it and so okay. you can get that uh, aspect as well it's and an it, ebook and yeah it, we're, we're pretty excited or and if you haven't read Eat and Run that's a great primer if you want to read them in sequence my first book so you get a, a primer yeah. and then read the the next phase of life. Uh, and, they and can do that as well. And if people want more information on you guys, is there uh, the social media channels you guys have or website? Um, I'm mostly just on Instagram, Jarex on the Run. Yep. And then he has, yeah, website. I've got website, scottjerick.com, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. And we've been fortunate to have just all the people out there who've, been an influence on us and been inspired and to do their own thing and go and inspire people and that's what i love about passing on the the goodness of healthy living and yeah so to tell joe like he's got this because he's got to he's got to inspire other people so he's got a lot on his shoulders so i think that can be a good reminder that he's going to change lives as well yeah he's got to inspire people and he's trying to do this in a firehouse oh definitely right? that's that's not easy <laughs> it's not a bunch easy. of a bunch of firefighters <laughs> it's not easy that are paleo keto right yeah 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 exactly yeah uh you guys your gems thank you feel so lucky to have you guys uh in in my life well thank you rip we we feel the same and like i said it's always good to connect i love scott and jenny and their zest for life adventure and their passion for living a plant-strong life. If you haven't already done so, I highly recommend you pick up a copy of their book, North. I'm pretty sure it will inspire you to get outside of your comfort zone, explore your limits, and think about your life the next time you're making pancakes on a quiet, relaxing Sunday morning. I want to thank my co-creator of the podcast, Scott Battisil and 10% Media, Lori Kordowich, producer extraordinaire and the Engine 2 director of events, Bumble Media for this podcast production, and Brandon Curtis for everything in between. Thanks to Whole Foods Market for believing in me and giving me a platform for the last 10 years. Special thanks to Joe Inga, our Bronx firefighter, for your courage to not only change your life, but also allowing us to share your story along the way. And lastly, I want to thank my father and mother, Dr. Cobble B. Esselstyn Jr. and Diane Cryell Esselstyn, as well as all the Plant Strong pioneers who have been pushing this boulder uphill for more than three decades. As they say, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. And remember, if you're digging the show, Please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, let me say, peace, Engine 2, keep it plant strong.